Welcome to episode 13 of Trivial Arguments. We were renewed for a second season, and we could not be happier. And by renewed, I mean I came out of my Cub depression, and Matt refused to talk about the White Sox. <laughs> and uh, we're putting forward a, a, a new effort to uh, do another one of these. As always, we'll do some trivia. Uh, we'll probably get into some arguments. It's been four months since the last episode. Matt lives in a bus. I have a wife now. It's Matt's fifth episode, record-breaking fifth episode. Um, it's spooky season, but most importantly, it's bull season. We'll talk about the upcoming basketball season and our expectations for the team. Uh, we'll probably go on a minimum of three or four tangents. Um, so who knows? But what I do know is nothing has changed as far as the pod. We still hate A-Rod. We canceled Smash Mouth. <laughs> we'll do some sports trivia and we'll have a question of the day. But other than that, without further ado, Matt, for your fifth time of me asking, how are you? I'm doing great. Season two, back and better than ever. We're going to two change the logo. It's amazing how hard we had to fight to get renewed, but your mom finally let you out of her basement and now we're doing podcasts, right? I know. So I don't have to keep like clicking like pause and like screaming like, mom. <laughs> I'm recording. I have my own house now. So, yeah, that's what being renewed means. It means I moved out. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so not only spooky season, it's October, but uh, Matt, the Bulls look like uh, they might be an actual team this year. How are we feeling about that? I'm super excited. I there was a there's a lot of talk when they first assembled this team, and there's lots of moves and. Some people are saying they don't know if they're going to fit. I, I really did feel like from the beginning that uh, the fit was there. <laughs> the types of pe people they got, it was no secret for the last like five years that the Bulls have wanted Lonzo Ball. And it's almost like we got the best version of him because he's, he's improved as a basketball player every year since he's come to the NBA. So now that we have this like, Lonzo Ball that can shoot threes and is an excellent defender and is he's always been a great facilitator and it's like the perfect fit for this bull, these Bulls. And then obviously DeMar DeRozan, I do think we gave up a lot for DeRozan. It felt like a lot. And I remember feeling that way when it first came out, but I think in general, it's a, it's a great fit. I, it's the people are worried about the shooting. I think the shooting will be there. I think it'll be fine, but generally I'm excited. It, it's nice to have like a real front office that does real basketball moves and isn't just sitting on their hands doing nothing. Cause that's what we're used to as bulls fans. So it's, it's super exciting as a bulls fan that that's, that's, we actually are moving in the right direction and it's, and the moves are real basketball moves. Yeah, I mean, not only this offseason, but I mean, you could tell even last season when they like when the Bulls went and got Vuk, I was like, oh, they're like legitimately serious about like putting a team together. Like there was always like, you know, the Bulls are one free agent away or the Bulls are, you know, if they lock down a, a backup center or, you know, there's always talk that they were one player away from doing something. So when they got Vuk, like was it March last year or something like that? I was like, oh, like this front office is actually like putting in the moves and taking the steps to not necessarily improve the team last year. Cause I mean, I don't know how many games Levine and Vuk actually ended up like playing together. 
Um, but I mean, I, I'm optimistic that the front office has actually put together a team that's going to matter. And for the first time in a while, I don't have to, you know, watch Bulls games with one eye closed, like, oh, well, they could blow out teams or they could, you know, get absolutely smoked. I still think their defense needs to improve, but I think they're probably going to win a lot of shootouts. But um, other than that, I mean, I think they're a playoff team this year, at least on paper. I mean, if, if what they did in the preseason is any indication that they're, they're all going to mesh together well, then I'm here for it. I, I think the concerns about the defense are they're legitimate, but I think the, the reasoning for the concerns, and maybe you, you can speak to this as the person who has the concerns, but I think that it's kind of like old concerns, meaning like they weren't great on defense. They, they Zach Levine is not known as a defender. Vucevic is not known as a defender. But to me, it kind of stops there, right? With this new team, that's so those are old concerns. Now, obviously, those are two of our five starters. If you watch the Olympics, Zach Levine was a lockdown on-ball defender, and that was his role. He wasn't going to be able to contribute to the Olympic team the way he normally can contribute to a playoff – I mean, a full team that doesn't make the playoffs – so it makes sense that that's what was – that's those are the concerns. But that was his role, and he had to take that role, and he did it. And so he played lockdown defense. So that's a positive, right? He can take what he learned there and apply it to the Bulls. Vucevic just has to be play position defense. He's not going to shot, block shots. He's there to be big in the way and get rebounds. So that that one does concern me a little bit. But DeRozan is a great on-ball defender. A great comes from a great team defense when he was in Toronto. They played great team defense. When he went to the Spurs, they played great team defense. So that's an upgrade all around. His as a individual defender, as he's getting older, I'm sure he still can hang and guard the ball. But team defense is where his strength is going to be, in my opinion. Even watching preseason, you can see the rotation is so, so much better than it was. Lonzo Ball, known as, becoming known as one of the best on-ball defenders in the league, a 6'6 point guard, he's going to be guarding somebody shorter than him almost every game, besides when you are playing the, the taller point guards. So that's not, a, that's not an area of worry for myself as well because it's a it's a pick and roll league right and if your best on the ball defender is also the person that's playing in the pick and roll that's going to be a strength so it's a matter of whoever the big man is if whatever defense they try to play i i really don't like billy donovan's defense of like just having the big man sit back in the paint afterwards but we're getting into big time x's and o's here we don't need to do that i just don't think it's as big of a concern with these new pieces as it would have been. That's why I think it's kind of an old, it's, it's like, I don't blame you as a Chicago sports fan. It's like, it's hard when we were burned so many times by these this certain way of thinking. So like being a bulls fan and just like, okay, they haven't been playing defense, even though in the Jim Boylan era, by the end, they were like uh, in, they were like a top defense efficiency team 
you know, top 10, maybe even higher. I can't remember. I try to block those years out, but I think Jim Boyle. Exactly. We don't remember that, but it it is the case. And so I'm not as concerned and time will tell, obviously I am concerned about rim protection and the presence of rim protection. Like Lonzo ball is only preseason. Yes. But he led the league in block. I mean, the league led the team in blocks. You can't have that. Your point guard cannot be the one that leads your team in blocks, but as long as there's somebody big and in the way, like I said, that like that's the role Vooch is going to play. You don't necessarily need a shot blocker if the rotation is there early and you're in the way. It makes you can challenge the shot without having to block it, and that's just as important. So whether that's going to come from, it's a little concerning. And if it doesn't happen this year, it doesn't happen this year. I just think it's it's nice to know that they're going in the right direction. So I'm not as concerned about defense, but you can say. If, if, that, if I'm wrong in your way of thinking, I guess that was a long rant for not even knowing if that's how you were thinking. But I think that's in the general masses. That's how that's how they're thinking about the defense. I mean, I have like flashbacks of like Zach Levine and Jabari Parker on the court, averaging like 40 points given up just when they're on the court together. <laughs> it probably was closer to 50 points. Like, I mean, if you're comparing a defensive player of Zach Levine to Jabari Parker, that is. <laughs> Such an insult to Zach Levine. Zach Levine is ten times the defender, even when even on his worst day, than Jabari Parker is. Jabari Parker is the Pillsbury Doughboy, doesn't move his feet. Literally, the, the definition of away defense, just wave the hand while the guy goes by, opens like a like a gate. <laughs> into a backyard every time. Oh, I don't wacky inflatable man. <laughs> Jabari Hope Parker. You catch something if you wave your arms enough. Hey, I want to go like fight younger Matt that was excited that Jabari Parker was a bull. It's like what? What are you I thinking? Excited about it? I was like, that's where we were. Was that was that still Fred Hoiberg? That was still Fred Hoiberg, wasn't it? Oh God. I blocked him out too, but I mean, I don't know. Like I said, it's the double-edged sword of the Bulls were undefeated in preseason. So it's like, okay, well, if we decide preseason matters, then like Bulls are going to run the table. But if we're like, Hey, it's just preseason. Like who cares? Like when your team's losing preseason doesn't matter when your team's lighting it up. It's like, dude, did you see the Bulls in the preseason? See, that's the, that's, I hate that argument for preseason not the one you're giving specifically, but the, the argument of like, well, it's preseason, so it doesn't matter. It's like, but would you rather them lose all five games? No, you'd rather them win all five games and actually show something. Whether if this is, I mean, the issue would be if this is the peak, right? They they went all out in preseason and nobody else did. And that's, this is the result. And then there's no results after that. Yeah, that's the issue. But the issue is not that they won all five games and it means nothing. Like, we saw a different brand of basketball in the preseason than the Bulls have played in years. It's fast pace. It's it's all about fast break. It's about defensive deflections and turnovers and getting the ball and going. And it's there's a more of an emphasis on the mid-range game. And it's not just three-pointer or layup. And it's not Zach Levine bailing us out with a step back three. I think it, it watching in the preseason, one thing that was like great to see was Zach Levine almost playing a role and not just being ball dominant, heavy on the ball, taking the ball to the rack and scoring or getting fouled or hitting a step back three. Like that's what our offense essentially was. 
And that it wasn't effective. It was proven not to be effective. But like having Zach Levine, who is an elite offensive player at this point in his career, having him be able to like play off the ball and go and score in bunches, you know, like he's really good at scoring 10 in 10 minutes. That's not even, that's not enough. 10 in like 10 in three minutes. That's what he's really good at. And he can score in those bunches way easier when he's not being asked to do all of the offensive work. And I think it's from just watching the preseason, if this is any indication of what the Bulls offense is going to look like, Zach Levine playing a, a role essentially. And I don't I don't mean that to sound like I'm like diminishing what he is as a player, like a role player. That's not what I'm saying. It's just like he he has a role to fit into as a shooting guard on the Bulls, and he's not having to be everything. So that that's what more so what I mean. And I think he's going to be very effective in that role. And it's going to be it's going to be easier for him to produce on the defensive end when he doesn't have all of the pressure of doing everything on offense, I have to think Zach Levine. I don't think he's a very like big ego driven guy. I think he's very much a team guy. And I think that was proven by him, like not having an issue with Jim Boylan, like being this great basketball player and being just like, okay with this like joke of a coach being their coach. It's like, he's not an ego driven guy. He's not like one of these superstars. That's like, it's my way or the highway. I think he's a good team guy. And does the, the selfish things he does, I think he does because he has to. I don't think it's because he it's in his nature. So I genuinely like Zach Levine in that way. And he, I think he's a great person to build a franchise around. It's just that with, with that being said, him fitting into this role and giving everything he can on the defensive end as well as the offensive end is way different than him having to do every single thing on the offensive end and not having any energy for defense. Because I do think... He had. He was thinking, I cannot do this defense thing last year because I have to do things on offense. If we're gonna score, you know, over a hundred points to keep up, because we give up over a hundred points, and by over a hundred, it's more like one fifteen. They were giving up last year. Yeah. I'm gonna have to score thirty to forty for us to have a chance, and he doesn't have to do that this year. So that, that's. I think that'll only improve his defense. So that's another addressing the defensive concern. Yeah, and I mean, in, in watching the preseason, like you could read stats and uh, stuff like that all day. But if you're watching the actual like games, you can tell that like for the first time in a while, it seems like they're actually having fun. And like that maybe doesn't necessarily matter in the grand scheme of things. But like you said, Zach Levine isn't a, a selfish player. So I think when he had to go out there and he was the, you know their top scorer and he had to score 40 points, I don't really know if that's the role that he wanted. So the fact that they have like players around him where they can kind of spread the points out where he doesn't have to, you know, shoot 50 shots a game in order to keep a minute. I, I don't think that he was ever really the guy that, you know, like you said, was ego driven. He's not, he's not a selfish player at all. So I think him surrounding him or the bull surrounding him with players that'll actually like help him and help spread the you know ball around. I think that's going to work tremendously for him. He's been waiting for, them to build a team around him for years. So I think this is the first time in a while where it looks like he can kind of take a step back and he can still be the leader of the team, but he doesn't necessarily have to be. And I think that's what role he's kind of looking for. Yeah, I, I totally agree with that because him being 
in that role, like I said, I think is going to be very beneficial. But I think that I think there was this narrative around Zach Levine that good player scores a lot of points, great offensive player. But what are the results? Like, is he a winning player? And the answer to this point has been no, he is not. There's the craziest stat that came out when he was on the Olympic team. It was the first time in his career that he's won four games in a row. Yeah. (laughs) It's like, yeah, that's not, that's, so what is it? Or what is all, what is averaging 30 points a game doing for your basketball team? And the answer is not a whole heck of a lot. So he has this narrative around him. And then that immediately goes to the conversation of like, is he a selfish player? Is he scoring because he wants to score? And that's why I think it's important to, in my opinion, I do not think he's a selfish player at all. It sounds like you agree. Because of that, there is this narrative of he scores third in a game and the team's not winning. Similar to the Russell Westbrook averaging a triple-double amazing amazing thing it's crazy to think about that he's done it as many times as he has already but it's like was the team winning while he was doing it and the first year yes the second time he did it no yeah it's like was he being selfish and i think that makes a little more sense that argument and i don't know why it just see that kind of thing is like it comes with the scoring a lot putting up statistics and not winning. So I think he can kind of get that. If there are people out there that still think that, which I, I, I definitely think they exist, but for me personally, I'm, I think I'm able to look past that and look at some of the deeper things. And honestly, just being around Jim Boylan, I think it proves that he like, letting that happen just makes me think that's like, Oh yeah, he's a good team guy and doesn't want to rock the boat if he doesn't have to. Yeah which is hard to say with like your best player sometimes just look at the Brooklyn Nets right now. <laughs> yeah. And while you mentioned Westbrook, I mean, now he's on the Lakers. I sincerely doubt he's going to be able to average a, a triple double on the Lakers. You think LeBron James or Anthony Davis, even though he's made of glass, you think they're going <laughs> to let, let Russell Westbrook <laughs> or minimum 10 points, 10 rebounds, 10 assists. I don't think so. I mean, I could be wrong. Those are, LBJ. those are LBJ stats for sure. He's not allowed to have those. Yeah. So if you're Russell Westbrook, are you like, oh, maybe I now have a chance at a championship, but now I don't get my triple-double? Do you think that matters to him at all? I don't at this see. Stage in his career, do you think he even cares about triple-doubles anymore? Or if he's just like, if I go home without another GD championship, like <laughs> I'm going to lose it. I think that's a hundred percent what it is. I don't think that he is going to care at all about the triple double anymore. I do think he did care about the triple double. I really do. But those Thunder team were not doing anything. His Houston teams were not going to do anything like in, in this grand scheme of like winning a championship. So maybe that's the time to go for your stats. I don't know. I it's worked for him. He's still seen as a pretty good player. Yeah, I, I don't think it'll be an issue even a little bit. I, with the way that LeBron James can ship you out of town without that guy, <laughs> I don't think, I don't think he can do it. I, I think as soon as he goes for a triple double, as soon as he steals a rebound from LeBron, like the way he used to from Stephen Adams all the time, as soon yeah. as he does that, bye bye. <laughs> yeah. Hope Sorry, you like. <laughs> we wanted it to work out. Sorry, Russ. 
But uh, I digress. Russell Wilson does not play for the Bulls, so who cares? He's not a real person. And they play in the West. Russell Wilson? Oh, yes. Does also, play he also West. doesn't play <laughs> for the Bulls, yes. Um, I, if I had a nickel for every time I knew in my head I want to say Westbrook and I say Wilson, or when I want to say Wilson, I say Westbrook, interchangeable in, in my mind. They sound really like almost the exact same name. Couldn't be more opposite. Two, two different sports, but... <laughs> It's really unfair that we've gone so long without a quality Russell, and then now we have two of them in this era. I mean, it's not fair to us. Uh, strictly speaking, we're a Geno Smith family. <laughs> I mean, we can count three Russells if you count the kid from up to. I mean, that kid, elite. Well, I, I was going to say, if we're ranking them, it's him, and then the other two are tied for second. <laughs> yeah, naturally. Anybody who can be on screen with a charismatic dog, I mean, sorry, you're, that kid is above everybody else. Except the kid from Airbud, that kid sucked. Yeah, can you imagine being the kid from, from Airbud who didn't get to start because the dog was starting? Like, hey, so like we're going to try something. It's like, what are we trying? It's like, so you're going to come off the bench. It's like, well, I don't really like that, but I guess if you're giving the job to uh, John, it's like, no, John's also uh, going to be on the bench. We're going to start a golden retriever. And you just need to hear me out. And I'm a coach, so you have to listen. I think we just created like a dark Netflix series about that kid and what happened to his life afterwards. You know how successful Cobra Kai is right now when yeah. you take what happened to, uh, what's his name? Whatever the bad karate kid is. Johnny? Uh, no. Um, what the hell is his name? Is it no? Johnny. I don't know. We definitely know this. Okay, but yeah, and then you take the kid from Airbud and how his life went to a downward spiral after the dog started over him. Or like, we, or like the kid in Stuart Little, where the parents are like, "Hey, give me that rat," and it's like, "Wait, I also want a home," and it's like, "Now nah, we're going to test this rat out." Or the kid, like a kid in the orphanage. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to say, I'm pretty sure they resolved that by the end with the brother. Yeah. But Billy Babka was the actor, but I'm trying to think. So it's Daniel is the. Um, Daniel. Daniel. Uh, Daniel. Yeah. LaRusso. Yeah. LaRusso. Unless you're a How I Met Your Mother uh, fanatic, then he's not the karate kid. Uh, Billy Zabka is. <laughs> Right, but that's not his name in the... Yeah, I know. He was Johnny Lawrence. It was Johnny. Okay. Yeah. All right. We did it. On this podcast. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Right. We got there. I mean, we did. But yeah. I listeners screaming Johnny Lawrence. We got there. Yeah. I was like, you can pipe down. This is our podcast. It's season two. We're rusty. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. <laughs> We're shaking the four months of rust off. Yeah. It was a sabbatical. Um, are you, I think the Bulls play Wednesday. If you're listening to this, it could be Monday. It could be Tuesday. So it's either tomorrow or whenever. Um, but yeah, if you're talking about Zach Levine in, during the regular season, winning four games in a row, that could possibly be the first four games. They played Detroit twice in, in a four game span. John. I think generally their season opens up fairly easy. 
It, I have the schedule pulled up here. So it's we go at Detroit. At Detroit. Yeah. Pelicans here, Detroit here, Toronto. I mean, at Toronto, and then Knicks here. So if, if we're talking just those those six games, I think that was six, one, two, three, four, five. Those five games. One I, one. <laughs> it's very plausible. Yeah, if we come away with four wins there, I mean, Toronto. How, they're not, they don't have Lowry anymore. Like, how are they going to be? So I, I think it's very plausible that they're coming out with four wins. And that's – we I think it was last year we had a super easy start to the schedule. Yeah. So, But we didn't win. I mean, I glanced over the schedule um, like earlier today, like in thinking about the podcast, and I was going over like, ooh, like this one's a win, this one's a loss. And then where it gets dicey is they play – they go Brooklyn – well, it's first Brooklyn versus Dallas at Golden State, <laughs> at LA, at Lakers. I'm like, there's your uh, five game span where <laughs> you go four and one and then <laughs> you easily go one and four. But I mean, the season's long enough where there's no possible way where, you know, more often than not, the games you think you're going to win are the, you know, the ones you lose or the ones you think you're going to outright beat somebody that one goes to double overtime and they lose by one, you know, there's really no way to predict it. I mean, you can look at all 82 games and try to predict win loss. Like, Oh, well maybe they'll win at bucks, but they'll lose at home or, well, if they're playing, you know, this team at home, then maybe they'll split them. So, I mean, you start overthinking it. And, but I think, is that the circus? Is that, is that stretch you're talking about the circus trip or is that too early? Um, so the circus trip was, was when? Mid, Mid-November or early November? I can't. I mean, I'm assuming it's always the West Coast trip, so I'm assuming it's that. The Golden State, yeah, at Golden State, at LA. Clippers, Clippers Lakers, LA. Portland, Nuggets. Like, that's typically – they do the West Coast trip. Barnum and Bailey Circus. Ringling, who knows? A big circus guy? I mean, we only pump out real stats in this podcast. <laughs> so, yeah, that, I mean, that's... That big circus guy. <laughs> <laughs> that might be problematic. We don't want to get canceled in our second season, so uh, disavow. We disavow circuses, I think, maybe. Cruelty uh, to If you're listening and you work for a circus, love you, support you. Um, unless you're not a good circus person, then we don't allow that on this podcast. Right. Uh, please stop listening right now. We don't want your kind listening. Yes. And we mean the people that did the elephant tricks because those were cool when you're like a child, but they're no longer cool now that you like no more facts about it. <laughs> it's very true. I've seen uh, dumb- yeah. The documentary. We'll call, it, we'll call it the West Coast trip. We'll promote circuses. So it's the West Coast trip. And yes, that's when it does start getting sketchy. But if we're looking at it as far as it's going to be a month into the season, and I think that's about the time we will really start to see what this team actually is, because there is going to be a period of time where there is like building team chemistry, knowing how does 
Zach Levine want the ball on a catch and shoot? How does Vooch run the pick and roll? How does Jamar, where does Jamar like the ball in the mid post or the high post? I mean, those kind of things I think are going to be kind of figured out and rounding into shape around that time. And so maybe that's like the perfect test at that time. It's kind of how I'm thinking about it is, is that golden state, which who remember is going to be golden state again. They'll be back healthy. It's not going to be like, they'll back, be back to being there themselves. The Clippers are the Clippers. The Lakers are the Lakers in Portland. You never know. And then, yeah. And then finishing with Denver. So it's like, I think that'll be a good test. I think, thinking about the matchup for these teams, like if we're getting into that, like what worries me about the Bulls is our size. We're playing, we're going to be playing undersized. So playing against Golden State, that doesn't matter. Playing against the Clippers, that doesn't matter. Playing against the Lakers with Anthony Davis, who has guard skills as a seven-footer, like that's when the size is going to be an issue. Yeah, but that could also be the uh, 15-game span where Anthony Davis doesn't play. So, well, that very lucky, or, or if they're all like um, taking their arthritis medication at the same time, um, like I think they're all 35 and older <laughs> in the starting lineup. <laughs> I do think there'll be a lot of rest for the Lakers. And what we've seen as Bulls fans, if you if you watch most of the games, is the rest days that happen happen a lot against the bulls and have, because you can rest against the bulls and still win. I don't think that's the case necessarily anymore. I think we're possibly can get to the four seed in the East. So if we're that high of a team, you can't necessarily sit your best guys against us. And so we're going to see a few teams like best shots. It's like, we're not going to get the random win against the Lakers because LeBron and AD were both sitting out. That's just not going to happen this year. In my opinion, it might happen because of the way their schedule works out. And, you know, the Western conference teams might want to sit against an Eastern conference team just for the sake, like that might be a strategy they're going to use, but I think we're going to get a lot of teams like a lineups, which I don't think we were necessarily getting the past few years. Yeah. That'd be interesting to see how it goes too. But I really do think that this is going to be a good test for the bulls in that, that stretch in general, but I'm super excited for the season to start because I want to see, I want to see rotations. I really want to see how Billy Donovan's going to use. Like there was a part of the preseason when Patrick Williams was playing the five. And that's like, well, that was going to be my my next question. So we basically know who four out of the five, um, like starters are going to be. It's going to be Lonzo. It's going to be Levine. It's going to be Vuk. It's going to be DeRozan. I'm assuming that fifth player is Patrick Williams. But I mean, like you said, that they're playing a lot of small ball as far as you know, even in the starting five. So. I, I would think it's got to be Williams, but I mean, is, is he ready to be an everyday player? Patrick Williams is a hundred percent the starter if he's healthy. I mean, that's health is the issue. He was able to get back for the last preseason game on a minutes restriction, which was a great sign. Right. Patrick Williams is going. If this, if these Bulls, as constructed, have any chance of winning a championship, Patrick Williams has to be 
I don't want to say elite because that's a lot. He has to be all-star level. He's not, he doesn't have to be first team all NBA. I don't think he, some people think he has that in him. I don't necessarily think he has him in it. People see like a Kawhi type trajectory for him. And if that happens, great. But Kawhi wasn't Kawhi that early in his career. He's, he's like a slow burn Kawhi. It's like, it's like all of a sudden he was like, oh yeah, Kawhi is like, one of the top five players in the league. That's kind of how it went. But I don't think if this Bulls team is going to be that, it has to be that kind of thing for Patrick Williams because he is the guy. We know we know what everybody else is. Zach Levine took the next step. There's probably one more half step in Zach Levine, and that's defense, right? If he, be, if he can turn it up on the defensive end and become an all-around player. We know what Vooch is. He's going to he's a he's a walking double double. He can stretch the floor if you need to, and he's got a good post game. Like he's gonna score 20, he's gonna score 10, and he's not gonna defend a whole lot. But we need him to play good position defense and be big and be in the way. We know what DeMar DeRozan is, especially at this point of his career. He's a mid-range shooter who has range out to the three-point line. I know people are worried about his shooting, but he can shoot, he's gonna keep people honest by taking threes. He's not gonna live out there, but and he's got a good post game and he'll get he'll get to the line, you know six to six eight to ten times a game ten times a game would be sick but i don't think that's necessarily the case but if he gets that line six times a game and he can score he's a 20 point a game scorer like we know who he is too lonzo can take a step with his shooting he shot almost 40 percent last year if he didn't shoot 40 percent, it was close from three like he he might have a next step too because he's still a really young player but we know who these people are. So if the Bulls are going to be a, like legitimate contenders, it's Patrick Williams. It's Patrick Williams taking a step into being that next player. Yeah. I mean, so he's yeah, the for starter. You. To, to answer your question, he yeah. is the starter. He was he started every game last year, besides I think one or two when he was out. But yeah. he's he is a hundred percent the starter, and he's going to start at the four. So it means we're a little bit undersized at the four. But he guards the best person on all, the best you know, small forward, or small forward, power forward, shooting guard, like whoever that person is, Patrick Williams guards them. That's, that's his role. It was his role last year. I'm curious to see if it's going to be his role this year, but he's, he's only improved as a defensive player. Like he, he has great instincts. He just was, he's young and he's, it's hard to play defense as a rookie and he did it really well last year. So he is the starter health pending. The issue with Patrick Williams is, the need to be aggressive. Like if he can be aggressive, he can be a great player. He, he, he like, would you get how many games last year did you just like, Oh, where's Patrick Williams? Like, Oh, he scored yeah. two points, two points, four rebounds. Like, dude, that's your skills. Your like athleticism and skill level. You should be, I mean, I'd like to see him up in the 15 to 18 range for points per game, but, it depends on how balanced our scoring is. And I, I think he has it in him. I think if he was around that range, I think that's like a really good spot for him. You know, 15 to 18 points a game and, you know, eight to 10 rebounds a game. If he can fit that in there as a stat line, I, I think that's like a, the Bulls would be doing super well. But I, I just don't know if he can do that consistently. Uh, he might be a... 10 in four guy. Right. We'll see. 
Yep. What move, at least um, like whether it was like late last season or this off season, what move did you think like the Bulls went from like on the verge of, you know, competing? If they put this thing together, if they do this, I think they'll be able to, you know, take that next step forward. What move for you in this off season were you like, oh, like they're serious now? Like now they're ready for, you know, they're ready to compete against Milwaukee. They're ready to, you know, whatever version of Brooklyn they get when they play Brooklyn, you know, because you never know, you know, who's playing during any of those games. I mean, Brooklyn has a big three that I don't know if they've ever played together maybe more than twice. (laughs) I would say for me, the – to move that really was like, okay, they're serious. I, I think the Vucevic one was a big one, and I wasn't expecting it. There wasn't any talk of it. Right. So that one was like, whoa. But it didn't put them over the top. It was like, okay, it, it, that, that move was like, this front office is legit. It's not the old regime anymore. They're not going to sit on their hands and do nothing. That's what that move was for me. And then the the Lonzo Ball move was like, we we needed a point guard. Kobe White was not the answer. We tried it. It doesn't work. We knew that. We didn't try Kobe White again. We went out and got a point guard. So, like, that one, great. Another good move. And both make our team significantly better, but still didn't put it over the top. When I was like, okay, we're going for this, it was the DeMar DeRozan one. Now, it has less to do with DeMar, De- DeMar DeRozan, the player, and DeMar DeRozan, the fit on the Bulls, and more to do with just the, exactly like what you're asking. Oh, they're going for it. Like, that's what that move felt like. It felt like, Sure, we could get Vooch, Zach, and Lonzo together with Patrick Williams developing and then throw another person in there. Who would it be? Probably would have been Garrett Temple. No, we got rid of Garrett Temple for Lonzo Ball. I don't know. Maybe Thaddeus Young made it back and Patrick Williams played more of a three role than a four role. Yeah. Whoever it would have been, maybe we signed a person. I don't know. But we could have just did that and kind of see where we ended up and then been ready to make moves the following off season. And then once I found out how much they actually gave up for DeMar DeRozan, because it was the sign and trade, it was Thaddeus Young, it was Alfred Aminu, and then it was a protected first round, I believe. Yeah. And then two second round picks. If Am I remembering this right? I think that's what it was. Yeah. So two second round picks, a protected first round, and then two players. And like, that's a lot. And then assigning them to a big contract as well. And it, I, it just felt like that was the move where it's like, okay, we're not just putting these pieces together and seeing how it goes. It's like, no, this is being turned around now. We took a year and we saw what we had. And we didn't like what we had. So we got rid of them. There's no more lobby marketing. We, that project is done. As Bulls fans, half of us are probably like, thank God. And half of us are probably like, he might no be. Chance. <laughs> like, what happens if he turns it on? Yeah. And 
good for Lowry if he turns it on. But I don't. I wanted him to so bad, and I, as a sports fan, generally have way longer of a leash than I should for my Chicago like players and coaches, and I like to defend them more than they deserve. And but it's 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 over. It's 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 the Lowry thing's done. So it's like that move for DeRozan was like we're not just waiting around for this year to see how it goes. It's like we're gonna get somebody, a four-time All Star somebody who knows how to play a good leader, a good veteran leader. And not to be mistaken when somebody says a good veteran leader, and it's like the guy in his uh, 19th year, who's one who's on four all-star teams a decade ago. It's like, no, DeRozan can still perform. He's still averaging 20 points a game and he had his highest assist rate of his career last year. So it's, it, it was really the sign for me that that's when they were going for it. It's like, we're not just going through the motions and we're not just signing people to sign people. Yeah. This is we're a plan. Jersey grabs. We're not doing, Hey, you guys were pissed off about that last thing. What if we like, what if we guys uh, like, what if we gave you Dwayne Wade? You guys like Dwayne Wade. Remember Dwayne Wade. Let's get younger and more athletic. Dwayne Wade and Roy Brej of Rajon. Rajon Rondo. <laughs> The next yeah. week, it's like, oh, okay. So you're just blatantly lying to us. Thanks, Gar Foreman. Or do you mean Bulls legend Carmelo Anthony? <laughs> I remember driving past the United Center when there were signs and people were out saying, Bulls got to go get Carmelo. They got to go get Melo. And that never happened. And then he ends up on the Bulls for four minutes a part of, you know, whatever deal they made. And I was like, look, you got it. It's like, you got him. Aren't you excited? <laughs> I'm surprised that they didn't make Carmelo Anthony Bulls jerseys and we're just hoping people were just going to buy him. It's like, no, you don't have to make it custom. Like, he's on the roster. <laughs> it's like, everybody like cut, cut the Wi-Fi so they can't look it up. <laughs> but no, he's on the roster. Like, I just got the notification. Don't look at your phone. <laughs> just buy the jersey. I thought that was going to be when we were actually trying for Mello. I thought that was the perfect fit. And that was very funny that he was a bull for two days or whatever he was. Yeah. I forget what that deal was. What was that deal? Is that when he was coming from Houston or when he was going to Houston? I think Houston was the final destination, but I don't remember how it happened. I don't either. Not that it's important. But yeah, that's a... He's 37 it, years old. <laughs> we did finally get him. You're right. Yeah. So, I think it's a shame that the Bulls aren't listed in his uh, career history page on Wikipedia. There's a couple of dates missing in his uh, incomplete page. So whoever's in oh. charge of Carmelo Anthony's page, if you're listening... You really dropped the ball on this one, man, because this is inaccurate. If I could go back and change my answer from before, it's when we got the Caruso that that's when I knew we were over the top. <laughs> yeah. Let's go. I mean, I think he was buried on the Lakers, and he was just waiting to get out. Oh, definitely. And now Chicago's going to unleash the beast. I'm telling you, on Wednesday, he puts up 10 points, 
I'll go out and buy the jersey. Ninety percent of the fan base will go out and buy the jersey. <laughs> it won't I, take much. I have to say, when we did sign him, I did think of you, and I was like, Lenny's gonna love this. Perucho, yeah. Anything where I can play off the name, almost guarantees that I'll, I'll root for you till death. <laughs> I so like as a legit move about Caruso. Um, People were saying that – sorry, I'm collecting my thoughts here. How do I want to say this? He was very much a – like you said, like kind of buried in L.A. and he's got more potential and that there were some people saying that the Bulls still need a backup point guard and some were saying that Caruso is going to put the backup point guard. And He's more of a shooting guard as like his natural position, but in the preseason, he was definitely playing the backup point guard role. And I think he did it super well. I was not expecting that. I, and maybe it was because he was buried in LA, but I was not expecting him to facilitate the way he did get other people involved. And then when he was playing off the ball, still, you know, being his athletic Kind of, a, he really does. He's a much of. A, he's really a showman. Like he really does get yeah. the crowd hyped. Big dunks, alley oops. It is. I think the Bulls are going to throw a whole lot of alley oops this year. I really do. Even I mean, everybody can fly. Everybody can dunk. And it's like we got a four, like a four guard. You no, know, it's not a five guard. It's a four guard system. Everybody can handle the ball. Bring the ball up. I think yeah. it's going to be good. So where are you at with like expectations for this team? Like if they're, if they make the playoffs, get knocked out the first round, like, is that sufficient enough where you're like, we got a taste of it. That's what we wanted. We wanted them to be competitive. We'll go back to the drawing board next year. We'll fix, you know, one or two things. Or are you thinking like they got to run deep in order for me to be convinced that this was a successful season? I don't think that's an option anymore based on the fact that we don't have a first round draft pick. We didn't have one this year. We don't have one next year and we don't have one the year after. Yeah. But we don't have a way to get better besides what we're doing right now. Yeah. The other thing that this does, this, this move does, I know I'm not answering your question, but I just thought of it. The other thing this move does is when that next superstar is disgruntled and wants out, we are now in a position to make a move for that person. We don't have the draft pick. So I don't think if somebody gets disgruntled this year, probably not, but next year maybe, because we'll, we'll start getting our draft picks again. But we have pieces that we can move. And we also, and then vice versa, we have pieces that people want to come play with. Are you confirming that Kyrie Irving is coming to the Bulls this season? I mean, I would... <laughs> I would be so pissed off if Kyrie Irving came to the Bulls. I want Dame Lillard if we're talking about if – if I get my choice. Dame Dalla? Yeah. That'd be a hell of a team, but – I'll give up everybody but Zach. That's it? <laughs> you know, to get Damian Lillard, you'd give up anybody but Zach Levine. Yeah, I'd give him – Ball, DeRozan, Vooch. They'd want Patrick Williams, though. They would. 
they can't have him because he's a part of a championship caliber team. So all on him. Put the pressure on. Okay. Is it the hand? Is it the hand? What is his name? Yeah. The paw. Oh, the paw. I was like, can't be the hand. I was like, that's not terrible. I was like, if that's what it is, uh, he's got to immediately change that. That's atrocious. The paw and the claw. A play on the claw, which is Kawhi Leonard. And his name is Patrick Williams, P-A-W, Patrick Williams. You are blowing my mind on this podcast. (laughs) Our time, Stacey King contributed a good nickname again. We do you think the last one was Jimmy G buckets? Jimmy G buckets. The G stands for gets. Yeah, that was a quality one. I remember. Do you remember where you were when the Bulls traded Jimmy Butler and Zach Levine was in that trade? Do you remember where I was? Yeah, like in the world or in like my mental space. <laughs> Either or. <laughs> I was just about to click on but, a Jimmy Butler jersey to buy it. I checked my phone. It said Jimmy was traded. I backed out of the internet browser <laughs> and I went home. That's good. My brother, my older brother Mike, once was trying to get a Keith Bogans jersey for Christmas. And I said, nice. Nobody buy him that, please. Please, nobody buy him that. He's like, Why? He's the best player on the tools. I love him. <laughs> and I said, No, I'm not letting you. Because he won't be here next year, and you're going to be sad. And he wasn't. Good call. Yeah. It's one of my better calls. <laughs> I was at a a work function, and I saw on the TV, it scrolled at the bottom, Bulls trade Jimmy Butler for, and then I don't know, what what round was Laurie? Is he a first round or a second round? Yeah, first round, seventh overall pick. Seven again? Man, they really got to get away from the seventh round pick. <laughs> or a seven yeah. overall he was the first seven. It was him, then Kobe, and then Wendell. Or Wendell and Kobe. Uh, Wendell and Kobe. Yeah. But, yeah. If they get sixth, I'll be like, oh, my God. Bulls get a sixth overall pick. Drastically different. But I digress. I was at a work function. Everybody was uh, drinking heavily. And they were like, man, screw the Bulls. Bulls just screwed up or whatever. I also thought it because I like Jimmy Butler. And Zach Levine was coming off of, is it MCL, ACL? ACL. ACL. And I was like, I don't know, man. The Bulls just took a huge risk. And then Jimmy Butler became a Looney Tune and was bouncing all over the league because he, you know, wouldn't play nice with others. And then Zach Levine ended up being Zach Levine. So in that moment, yeah, I was furious. But now I'm like, oh, I'm glad we got rid of Jimmy Butler. <laughs> I, think I think you're being a little hard on Jimmy Butler. I think you're forgetting that Jimmy Butler was the Bulls. <laughs> so, yeah, Jimmy Butler, when the Bulls did it, I was thinking, or when there's talk of them doing it, I was thinking, you don't have to do this. Yes, we're the, we're the eighth seed, the seventh seed. That's what we're fighting for. But you don't have to do this. Jimmy Butler became a top 15 player in the NBA on the Bulls. And it's hard to get a top 15 player. We right. didn't have to do it. If we had this regime we had now, 
I think they would have kept and signed. And we weren't able to sign people for whatever reason with our impacts, but we are now. And so I think it would have been totally different if it wasn't Gar and Pax, but it was. And so they decided to rebuild and they decided to rebuild with Larry Markkinen. And Larry Markkinen turned out to be just a decent role player. Like he's a he's probably a sixth man. That's probably where his best role will be. So you can't rebuild with a person like that. And obviously Zach Levine, but it was supposed to be Zach Levine and Lowry together. And it's just not how it worked. And now has Zach Levine taken the next step? Absolutely. So that... So knowing what you know now, when you think about that trade, were you like Bulls won that trade or were you? No. Because in that moment, I was like, oh, Bulls just lost his trade. They just, you know, got Zach Levine, who's a question mark. I got this pick where, you know, who knows if picks ever work out. So in that moment, I was very like, Bulls just lost his trade. And then as time went on, I was like, oh, Bulls won this trade when, like, Jimmy was bouncing from team to team. So I think I think I would say I, I think the issue being the Timberwolves did nothing with Jimmy Butler, right? That's the that's yeah. the issue. So the winning and losing, who did more with who? Jimmy Butler on the Timberwolves or Larry Markin on the Bulls? Zach Levine on the Bulls. It's the, it's not a, it's not a cut and dry answer because I think they both kind of shit the bed if I'm being totally honest. Like yeah. Jimmy wasn't there for more than two years. I don't remember if they were in the playoffs. Did they make the playoffs? I don't think so. Which is crazy because Jimmy Butler makes the playoffs with a bunch of no name white guys that can shoot threes on the Heat. Like, yeah, he can make the playoffs with anybody. And then he went and then they traded him to Philly. So I think you're kind of misremembering. It didn't go well. Because, and I think he, I think, I think Jimmy Butler has came out on top of that whole situation more so than because what has Carl Anthony Towns and Andrew Wiggins done? Like they're both great players that do nothing. So I think Jimmy Butler was kind of right in that setting. Yeah. Did he handle it well? No, I think he'd probably even admit he didn't handle it well. And then he went to Philly. And then the Lord knows what's going on with Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid. Like, that's a similar yet different situation in its own right. And then he got a chance to be a free agent. And then he went to Miami. And then have you heard anything besides winning with Jimmy Butler in Miami? Um, Well, I'd like to go back when you said that Jimmy Butler made the playoffs with the heat, the bunch of no name white boys, uh, Tyler hero says that he's on the same level as Luca in case you were wondering. So he's not, so he's not a no name. He's in the top, you know, three of the entire league. So I would say Tyler hero thinks very highly of himself, but that's because he performed really well that first year when he was a no name person. I mean, fair. And I can't say no-name white guys because shout out Max Struess. I know you're listening. Went to high school. I was waiting for it. (laughs) Dated his sister for a little bit in like fifth and sixth grade. Barely talked to her. We waved to each other in the hallways, you know. I mean, you might want to look her up again. (laughs) I hear her brother's in the NBA. (laughs) Just got married. 
well, we'll try it again <laughs> with a different NBA player or sister. <laughs> Do you have any other friends who are in the NBA? <laughs> no, fresh out. I too don't have any friends in the NBA. So if you're listening and you are either in the NBA or you know somebody in the NBA and they have a sister or a cousin, a girl cousin or a boy cousin, honestly, <laughs> what, could, what type of money are we talking? Hey, 2021. I'm a married man. Excuse me. <laughs> My days of looking for NBA players are over. Hanging outside the clubs, waiting for one of them to stumble out. They're behind me. I'm sorry. What? That kind of... what? <laughs> this is a family show. <laughs> Mom, I know you stopped listening at episode five, but please don't turn 13. <laughs> I'm just kidding. She didn't listen to any of them. <laughs> What's your trivial pursuit? Sure. Yep. They're We're sponsored by a board game. Yeah, their account is thriving. Have they, uh, like, the season pursuit cancel smash mouth question mark? And it's like, oh, the, 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 the season desist has it like gone away or? Um, we're still actively fighting it. Oh, okay. We're looking for um, the orange wedge. We keep going around, but we keep missing it. So, fair. The orange wedge is the entertainment one or sports. So, I should know that. I run the Trivial Pursuit account. <laughs> All right, Matt. We've talked about Bulls basketball, the greatest basketball. But now let's do basketball trivia. That's pretty much random. I was going to do Bulls trivia, and I was like, no, nah, we did that already. So let's start off with a bunch of uh, random easy questions for basketball, and then we'll get uh, harder in, in later episodes when we – Get our groove back. I don't know. I want the hard ones, man. Come on. I don't think I've gotten a trivia question wrong yet, have I? Um, I mean, for all of our for all our fans out there, and that keep the stats. Let me know. (laughs) The real match. Please tweet us because Matt can't because he doesn't use his Twitter because it's a novelty thing. Unless Outerbox wants to respond right now to the biggest fan, this Matt. Stop tweeting after he tweeted at Otterbox. So I also they didn't respond, so I haven't bought Otterbox since. See, you lost a customer because you wouldn't tweet back. It's a shame. We have millions of fans. Is it Otterbox, like the like the animal? I'm, I have a, an iPhone now, so I should know these things. Yeah, like the animal. I'm pretty sure they had Android too, did they not? Um, I don't know. I had a case with a like kickstand on it. That's kind of my thing. So kickstand right. in some circles. Ask me these questions. All right. Question one. What NBA player scored a hundred points on March second, nineteen sixty-two? Will Chamberlain. Will Chamberlain. Who was the first player in NBA history to be elected MVP by a unanimous vote? Ooh. I don't know if I know this one. All right. Let me think. I have four options. It's multiple choice. 
but the four you're thinking of are probably the four you have to choose from. <laughs> the first, do you have a year for me? That would help. Uh, yeah, but if I gave you the year, it might eliminate two of the guesses. Right, that's what I'm looking for. Okay. I don't I, want the multiple choice. I can I don't give you the year. Choice. Yeah, give me the year and don't give me the multiple choice. All right, 2016. Was that shoot? But that was that. You're thinking of Chris Bryant. It wasn't Chris Bryant. I mean, it, it was, but it. This is an NBA question. 2016. Who was the MVP in 2016? Unanimous. It was the year the world stopped. There was no other sports past 2016, famously. Oh man, I don't want it to be LeBron because they won with the. 2016 is when the Cavs won. Game. But was it him or was it Harden or was it Westbrook? Because they had good years too. Was that then? Or was it? Okay. Uh, I don't know if I want to go chalk or if I want to go off the unanimous. Unanimous. All right, I'm gonna, I'm, I'm gonna go LeBron. I'm gonna go chalk. I'm gonna go chalk. You're going LeBron James. Yeah. The answer, famously. Just tell me yes. Just tell me right or wrong, so I can guess again. Wrong. <laughs> okay. Wrong. Wrong. Did I say the Did I say the person already? You sure didn't. I did not. Nope. Who is unanimous in 2016? Was it Steph? Would it help if I said 2015 to 2016 unanimous MVP winner? Does that make a difference to you? No, I was thinking the 2015-2016 season. That's when the Cavs won. That's why I went LeBron, because the Cavs won, so I assume he had a good year. So then it had to be it had to be Durant or Steph. And I don't know what Durant, Durant win an MVP. Let's go Steph. What's your final answer? Sure. I already gave him a final answer. This is my second final answer. LeBron James plays third. Kawhi Leonard plays second. And Steph Curry with all 131 first place votes. Unanimously. That's not that's that's a that is a miss on my part. Not to be confused with Seth Curry, who received eight non votes. (laughs) I would when was uh when was that year that Westbrook and Harden were just like both going off? And the one the year that Harden won. Was that late? Was that 2018, 2017, 2018? I think I went back too far. I think it's 17 or 18. 17 sounds right. Yeah, I was just a year, year early. Okay. My bad. All right. All right to all the people keeping stats. I got one wrong. He's human after all. Question three. Which head coach was fired the same year? That he was named Coach of the Year. Dwayne Casey? Dwayne Casey in 2018 for the Toronto Raptors. Brutal. You thought these were the easy ones? I thought that was, those these. I was, those two I thought were, I don't think everybody would get those two. I like it. Keep going. Who was the first NBA player to test positive for the coronavirus? Oh, uh, it had to be Rudy Gobert. <laughs> Defense like no other. 
shut the whole league down. What year did NBA Street come out on PlayStation 2? <laughs> NBA Street, PlayStation 2. I played it on GameCube. Is it the same? Um, GameCube came out a year later. Okay, that's good. But I made NBA Street Volume 2 on GameCube. So I got to go back. Okay, Yao Ming was on the Rockets still. <laughs> I'm stressing who my team was. I always picked Yao Ming because he could still, he could shoot threes for some reason, and he obviously blocked all the shots. If the most remarkable thing about that game that you remember was that Yao Ming could shoot threes, you don't remember that game very well. <laughs> that's probably that's, yes. That's that's actually well done on your part there because there is game breaker. <laughs> The game breaker really was. You just cross over as much as you could to build the game breaker up. <laughs> yeah. Can we talk about a very underrated soundtrack? NBA Street, Volume 2. I was going to say, not Volume 1. Volume 1 was garbage. Volume, volume two, 2 was where they got their footing. I still have some of those songs on my Spotify playlist. That's fair. Okay. I'm going to say it came out in the year 2000 and he's thinking, ladies and gentlemen. Oh, gosh. I want to say like before 2010, 2000 and before 2010. <laughs> NBA Street? No. Yes. It was way before 2010. I know. I'm, I'm thinking out loud. You got a random year. <laughs> no, I, I was going out. Uh, okay, 2002. GameCube or PlayStation 2? Oh, shoot. I was doing PlayStation. I was doing. No, I'll, I'll stick with it. I think it was 2003 in GameCube, 2002 in PlayStation 1, PlayStation 2. So you're saying PlayStation 2, NBA Street, came out 2002. Correct. 2001. Son of a gun. So you said 2002, and I said uh, GameCube or PlayStation. See, I also had Volume 2, so you know what? I just I needed to do one more year because I never had Volume 1. Correct. Because the soundtrack was garbage. Yeah, that's a miss. <laughs> what teammates are nicknamed the Splash Brothers? Steph Curry and Clay Thompson. Correct. Not to be confused with Seth Curry, who is a real person. Mom. That was him talking to his own mother. At five foot three inches, who is the shortest player in NBA history? Muzzy Bogues. Basketball Jones. Yes. <laughs> Muggsy Bogues was the correct answer. Who invented the game of basketball? James Naismith. He's a doctor, doctor, but we'll cut it out. Doctor, I added it. <laughs> James Naismith, doctor. <laughs> Who won the 2021 WNBA championship? Your Chicago Sky. Shot. It was Sky Cago, I think was the tagline. Is it Sky Cago or is it Sky Town, maybe? Like Shy Town? Clever either way. How good is Candace Parker for real? Considering, I think a couple of years ago, she was voted like by her peers, like 
most overrated player or something like that. And then she played in China or something. She's only played for two, I think, WNBA teams. I think it was the Sparks, and then she went to China or Japan or something, and she worked her way back. And hometown Chicago Sky, even though she's from St. Louis, Missouri, fun fact, we won't hold it against her. She might be bringing the only championship to Chicago this year. She's not from Chicago? I thought she's from Chicago. Uh, No, she went to Naperville Central, but I believe she was born in St. Louis, Missouri. Right, but you can claim where you like grew up. Well, I think I, um, I don't think Kanye West was born in Chicago. I think he was born in like Georgia or something. Yeah, she was St. Louis, Missouri. Post- well, Georgia, Georgia can have him back. <laughs> Let's see. While we're thinking of it, well, by the way, Kanye West changed his name to Ye Y E. In case you were wondering, you know it's very important. But, you sure uh, it's Ye and not Ye? Could be yay, but I wouldn't you think it would be Y E Y? No, yay as in Kanye. How do you spell his name, dude? You know what? This is my podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I don't have to answer any of these questions. Kanye West How was born in it? Atlanta. I'm, still, uh, I'm, I'm basing it all off that. I'm basing yeah. it all off that. You know what? Just for that, I'm giving you a Space Jam question. In the movie Space Jam, not the garbage sequel that nobody saw. Who are the five players that got their talent stolen? Okay. <laughs> One of them is Basketball Jones. <laughs> Basketball Jones. Okay, I can do this. Muggsy Bugs. Correct. Charles Barkley. Correct. Patrick Ewing. Correct. Sean Bradley. Correct. Who's I, the, I thought John Bradley was going to be the one that was going to stump him. No, I think I'm like I. I think I'm just forgetting who the other person was. Correct. Because it's the first I should know. I'm trying to think of that scene where they're all in the wheelchairs. Yeah. <laughs> but I probably should think of the scene where they're all on the ball. They're touching the ball. It's not Danny DeVito, although he was in that movie. Man, who who am I forgetting? Magic cousin? It wasn't Magic Johnson. Well, it was his cousin. It was his cousin? It's not his cousin. Play that game. Man, this is bad. I'm sorry. This is also a bad podcast now. People just listening to me forget who the fifth person was. He lives in a bus. He doesn't have access to internet. Right, yeah. I'm not actually taking a long time. You just can't hear me because my internet's bad. <laughs> Basketball Jones. Dude, I like what I think of this. This is bad. I need to go watch Space Jam again. I could I could tell you. Is a Hall of Famer? Larry Johnson. Larry Johnson? Yeah. That was the last one? Yeah, I... I don't remember that. I said Magic's cousin. And then I was like, actually, yeah, oh, I'm 100% certain I made that up. But I was like, also, I actually don't know. No, Larry Johnson. Yeah, I do remember that now. I, I don't think I was thinking that. I don't know what I was thinking. Not that. I would have gone on Larry Johnson. 
I would have said Ewing, Barkley, and Muggsy for sure. Sean Bradley, I might have been able to get out, but shout out to Larry Johnson if you're listening. Sorry, bud. It's not you, it's us. Yeah, my bad. Well, on that note, <laughs> loser. That's all we have for episode 13. Uh, there's no more wedding planning, so you'll be getting a lot more content, probably, maybe. I don't know. It takes us four months to pump it out. So, <laughs> um, I'd like to thank Matt for joining us for a record-breaking fifth time last. You saw thank you. Season two is about to be better than ever. <laughs> follow our official Instagram account, at Trivial Arguments. Don't follow mine. The content is not good. It's just sad. Um, follow us on Spotify, please. I mean, what are we doing at this point? can subscribe click the button below <laughs> maybe that'll work uh yeah but you can feel free to also argue with us online i don't really care it's trivial arguments for a reason i never put my phone down so argue away my friends uh, also if you're listening to this on uh, october 19th happy birthday matt's mom hey shout out jody hey i was wondering if you were going to remember so if you didn't you do now <laughs> I'm, I'm pretty good at that stuff, okay? Well, if you're listening to it on the 19th, happy birthday, Matt's mom. And if you're listening to it any other day, still say happy birthday, guys. What are we doing? All right. I'm Lenny. He's Matt. Let's get out of here. See ya. Bye. Happy birthday.